Welcome. On today's podcast, we're speaking to Sarah Barnes, the two-times author who went from being fighting fit and cycling the Pyrenees to undergoing major surgery on her legs, leaving her fearing at one stage that she'd never walk again. We spoke about how in her 60s she turned things around following the life-changing operations by exploring the health benefits of cold water therapy and writing her book, Cold Fix. She told me that living in the Lake District makes it easier for her to follow her passion and to get outdoors as much as possible. Sarah also explained how she loves being an inspiration to lots of women in later life who've read her book and how they often stop her to say how much she's helped them with their journey into cold water. But before we get started, can I ask that you give us a follow on your podcast app or Instagram? Now let's get on with the podcast. Welcome to Retirement Rebel Life After 60. I'm your host, Siobhan Daniels. Join me on a journey to meet inspiring rebels who've redefined retirement. Together, we'll explore new passions, triumphs over challenges, and discover the vibrant possibilities of life after 60. This is about living boldly, not just aging. So are you ready to rebel? Last week, I spoke to the lovely Jo Mosley, author of the award-winning book, Stand Up Paddleboarding in Great Britain. She talked about looking forward to being 60 and how she's just taken up a new hobby of skateboarding to head into her next decade in style. If you haven't already, please go and give it a listen. It was a joy to speak with her. Welcome to you, Sarah. Thanks very much for joining me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Have you always been an outdoorsy person? Yes, I actually spent my childhood in the West Indies, so we were always outside, and then in the Peak District, and then in Cambridgeshire, so I was always out on my bike or canoeing or messing around outdoors. I just love it. I just love the outdoor life. What What was life like for you growing up in the West Indies? I can't remember too much about it. I do remember some of the smells. I remember... The, the smell in particular of when it hadn't rained for a while and then there was a torrential rainfall and we just ran outside naked and danced around in the rain. That's probably what has given me my love of the feel of water on my skin and the freedom, the sense of freedom it gives you. That childhood freedom, though, of just running out, I remember it all, so, all too well, the running out and feeling the rain on your face. When, when we used to have what we called April showers, I loved going out then. I used to get my little brolly and my wellies and go out and just enjoy being in the rain. People nowadays, don't you think they seem to, oh, it's raining, I can't go out? I think so, but I, I've got away from that because of going swimming every day, all year round. It actually doesn't matter what the weather is. And doing the other sports I used to do, like running. You could go running when it's horrible weather and you actually come back and you feel so good because it's been horrible weather. Cycling's different um, in the rain or wind. That's not pleasant. It's it's actually quite dangerous if you're on the roads as well. So what kind of runner were you? When did you start running? Were you a competitive runner or did you just run for fun? I ran initially when I lived down in Cambridge and it was just for fun, really, something to do because I wasn't able to go climbing or mountain biking then because there's no hills. Um, so I took up running. And then up here, I went on the trails and then I started to combine cycling and running. 
so I could do duathlons. And then I combined swimming. So I started doing um, sportive, cycle sportive. So they're supposedly not competitive, but, I, you know, some people enter them to be competitive. What is cycle sportive? What, what, what exactly are the disciplines for it? Okay, well, the, the name itself, sportive, suggests that it's more of a, it's for sport, it's for sporting fun. And it's you're up against yourself rather than anybody else. They tend to be over slightly more rugged terrain. So they appeal to cyclists who who like road cycling, but also might like to go on trails, not mountain biking. Um, and some of the ones I did were really epic. There was one in Dumfries and Galloway. There was one, a closed road one that was in the uh, North Wales. So we went up some quite big hills. And that was amazing to to come down a hill and normally you'd have to stop at the T-junction but because it was a closed road you could just cycle straight across and that just kind of went against everything that I'd been brought up as a cyclist to do. Did you go abroad with your cycling? Yes, I've on family holidays we went six years in a row to the Pyrenees um, and took our bikes and as a family we cycled up some of the cols that the Tour de France has been up that's absolutely wonderful because you really get into the countryside. Fantastic views. I cycled up um, El Tierde in Tenerife and that's a volcano. So I cycled up there on my own and I cycled up Mont Ventoux on my own, which is a mountain down in Provence. And I was 54 when I did that. That takes me to just before I had to go and get consulted about why my knees were so painful. Um, and it wasn't the cycling that had caused them. So you were cycling quite proficiently then. You were, you were sort of embarking on some pretty steep inclines, weren't you? So when did you first notice that something was going wrong with you physically or you were struggling physically when you were doing that? Um, I think it's in the recovery time because normally I think, you know, you, you bounce back because you're feeding yourself well, you're resting... I did stretch after doing running or cycling and I was very fit, but I, I just noticed that my legs weren't recovering quite as much. They were aching a bit more than I felt they should do. I was aware that I was getting older, 54. Did you put it down to old age? I didn't initially because I didn't feel old. <laughs> I didn't like to think that I'm getting diseases that come with being older. I just thought oh, it must be to do with, I must have run too much or cycled too much. And actually, that's what my mum said. Oh, you shouldn't have done all that cycling. And I am so glad now that I did. The the experience and the thrill of being so fit and, you know, the places that I went on my own and the achievements that I had for myself, I'm just so glad I did. Because it's it's so often when you become a parent, you do lose yourself, don't you? You don't do the adventures. You were, you were lucky to be able to do that. A lot of women miss those adventures. I have been a single mum quite a lot of my life. I have two children and I have mostly brought them up by myself, which I think, I don't know, maybe that does give you the opportunity to have that you time when the kids are with their dads. I was on my own, so I could go and do these things. But also, I think my kids uh, have a large part to play in it, in the fact that they were very encouraging. 
they also tease me a lot and said, you're just crazy, <laughs> mum, you're just obsessed. Why do you have to do it all? And I must admit, we went on a family holiday to Provence, um, the three of us, and my plan was to cycle up Mont Ventoux three, three different ways, and I would have been one of 300 people in the world who's done it. Amazing. Um, and I just thought that would an amazing achievement. But I realised after having it done it once, it wasn't fun for the kids. I was actually taking over and allowing my obsession to take over the family holiday. And so I said, that's it. I've just done it once. That's enough. Let's go swimming. Let's go to the pool. What are we going to eat? Let's go to market. And I switched off my obsessed brain and I thought, no, I'm going to have a nice family holiday. So what was your route to actually embarking on, on major surgery, wasn't it, on your legs? Yes, um, it wasn't knee replacements. Uh, I had osteoarthritis in both inner knee joints and it was classed as severe. So I was actually walking bow-legged, hardly walking really. Um, so I needed something doing, otherwise I would have had to be in a wheelchair anyway to get around. Um, so the surgeon said that I had the characteristics to have both done at once because he thought, yes, the recovery is going to be really tough because you will be in a wheelchair for eight weeks, non-weight bearing completely. I know you can cope. But that must have been a daunting prospect for you, especially as you've been so active and going up and down the mountains on your bike to, to picture yourself having to spend weeks in a wheelchair. I don't think I really appreciated how bad it was going to be. I think I stood, still had that warrior mentality and I still thought, I'm invincible, I can do this. And he, the surgeon actually, I think, fed that because he he wanted to do the operation because it was quite pioneering, especially to do both at once. And I think I was a bit of a guinea pig, looking back on it now. And I just thought, yeah, I can do it. And I had that I can do it attitude. Whereas if I just calmed down a little and thought about it, and thought, how are you going to do it on your own in a house that's got six flights of stairs? In the end, my 82-year-old mum came and looked after me for six weeks. My daughter looked after me. She washed me, helped me in the shower, um, because I was absolutely determined to do it right and not put any weight on my legs. So we got it all set up with commodes and a lightweight wheelchair so that that could be taken in the car and up the stairs and so on. But I really didn't appreciate how hard it was going to be and how I didn't leave my room for six weeks. I was in my room, fortunately, on the one of the ground floors. There were several with an ensuite bathroom. But I remember getting out of bed, onto the wheelchair, onto the floor, and just pressing my face up against the glass door, crying and saying, I need to be outside. You know, it actually, I don't want to cry now, but it just broke my heart oh. that I listened to him. And I didn't think I could do it. And I didn't think I'd ever be the same again. I really felt I'd lost myself completely. It's so sad to see, even now, as you're recounting the tale, the impact on you. It must have really impacted you psychologically. But thankfully, you're a strong woman. 
and you fought and you turned a corner afterwards. What was it like knowing that you could get outdoors? The first time I went outdoors was a fight. My daughter, Emily, insisted that we got outside. She knew that I needed to get that fresh air on my face again. We did it. It was raining, but we managed to get me down the stairs on my bum into the wheelchair. It was a gravel track. I got out and I just, I've got a photo of me, really pale. And just the feel of the air on my face, it just, I thought, that's when I thought, I can do this. I can do it. I have got that little flame inside me. I can do this. Um, I can get back outside. I can get through this horrible stage. Oh, you've made me go goosebumps just listening to you because I can feel. <laughs> no, I know it's. I can feel the 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 grit and determination of you doing this. That you didn't let the fact that you were an older woman going through major surgery make you think that this is it. I'm not going to do it. You were determined to do it, weren't you? And I, and I I think that is an admirable thing. And I, and it it just. It excites me. It excites me. Now I know what you're doing and where you go and all the swimming that you do. To know that you were in that dark place, you've had an incredible journey from then. What impact has it had on you psychologically? I think I know what a dark place is now. I, I possibly thought I knew before, but I, I know now what it's like to feel at the point where you just think, nobody's going to love me again. You know, I'm not going to be able to do this. All the negative thoughts. I know what that's like. And I know I never, ever need go back there again. Because I, I know people say, I know what it's like, so I don't want to go back. I don't need to. Mm. Because I have the tools to never go back there again. And if I ever feel that frustration or that loneliness or that darkness I know now how to get myself out of it I go outside yeah I literally even just go and stand outside the front door I don't know whether it's a drug or something just this feel of being outside I get it I get it that's why I love being in my motorhome and traveling around because there's nothing nicer than just going outdoors, making a cup of going outdoors and wandering and just really savouring your surroundings. I'm just going to interrupt for a moment to shamelessly plug my book, Retirement Rebel. It's published by Vertebrate Publishers and it's my honest account of feeling broken in my 50s and finding my happy place in my mid-60s. I got rid of my home and possessions and hit the road in my motorhome for a roller coaster ride along life's adventures. I wanted to help younger women not to fear ageing and older women to grab life and run with it. You can purchase a copy in most bookstores and on Amazon. Right, now back to the conversation. So what happened after your surgery to make you, ch you know, change your whole outlook on life? It was a picnic that my kids decided we were... They have a lot, a big part to play in my recovery and my journey. So they'd said, right, we're going down to Cromart Water, which is about an eight-mile drive. We're going to take a picnic and we're going to take our wetsuits and we're going to go for a swim. And it was early April. And I thought, okay, it's a, a mile walk down through the woods, but yeah, I can do it. I was 
partially weight-bearing on crutches by then. So off we went. And um, they were in their wetsuits. And I decided not to put mine on. It was too much faff. But I walked into the water on crutches and I had this feeling of just this fluttering inside me. And I just thought, ooh, not, and it wasn't from the cold water. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> it was an ooh of, oh, wow, I'm here again. I'm here. And you're there, meaning the mountains, the lake, the sky, the clouds. And I thought, this is it. And as I kind of got in deeper and I could see the water's so clear, I could see my legs and they were still really horribly bruised and scarred. And I just thought, we can do this, legs. At the moment, I don't need you. You can just float there. You do your thing. I'm going to do mine. And I could swim with my arms. And I thought, this is it. This, I can come swimming and that's how I can get back into the outdoors until I'm strong enough to run and cycle. And at that point, I thought, I'll soon be doing sporties again. We'll go off to on holiday to the Pyrenees or let's try the Alps this time. But it, I felt all that energy mm. coming back into me because I'd found what I, you know, what I really needed, a way of getting back outdoors. A lot of women in that position would have just self-limited, wouldn't they? They would think, I can't do this, I'm too afraid to do this, or my legs won't let me do this. What is it, do you think, that made you face a fear and go in the water and not self-limit? I have always tried not to self-limit. Because I've had to make a lot of decisions, big decisions for myself, I have um, often not limited myself. I have thought, I can do it. What's the worst that can happen? And once I've kind of thought around it, done a bit of research, and I've thought to myself, right, are you prepared to accept the consequences if this doesn't work out as planned? And I thought, yeah, I am. What the hell? <laughs> of course I am. I, I just can love, do this. I love that gung-ho attitude. That's what I'm like. And so many people laugh, but that's why you're in my kind of tribe of women, because I know we've met a few times and we've actually gone wild swimming together. And, and I just feel your energy and your love for the water and the cold water. And you've actually transferred that into a book, haven't you? What, how did the book come about? And, and what, who are in the book? Because you, you feature quite a few people in the book, don't you? Well, if you're talking about the non-fiction book, The Cold Fix, that came about, it's the description of my journey into the cold water. So that first swim in Cromach and so on. And then it talks about how Actually, the swimming led me towards the community of other swimmers worldwide. How did it lead you towards them? Um, I started doing posts on Instagram. And much to my astonishment, it is something you can do when you're older and you can have great fun with it. And it's a really good way of connecting with other people all over the world. And I found that there was this great big tribe, if you like, of equally crazy people who just love being in the cold water. And I wanted to find out, well, why? What is it? What is it about the cold that we all feel? Um, so that was the question. I went and I then chose some people to interview um, who 
would be, I felt, were similar to me. And one of the structures I used in it was because I felt really completely broken after that surgery, I felt I wanted to put myself back together again. And I realized that I had many different sides to me. And I used some of the archetypes from traditional psychology, the warrior, the mother, the child, the thinker, and the panther, um, which all represent different parts of me. And I thought, well, that is the way I'm going to select people, is I'm going to find my warriors, find my panthers. So I started stalking people on Instagram and thought, yeah, yeah, the way you move, you're a panther. I know you are. <laughs> so I contacted them and I said, would you like to be an interview for my book and so on? So that's how I did it with all of them. And I, so I went out into the community and I allowed different parts of myself to connect with different people and then I brought it all back home I brought it all back to me and decided that actually where you find that true spirit and that true happiness is within yourself and within the very closest people who you love which are my kids um so that was that book I think I'm one of your warriors I I always say to my the people that follow me that I have found my inner voice and I found my warrior. And it's incredible because I always was a people pleaser. I didn't think I was particularly a warrior. Um, I didn't articulate things very well because I worried so much what people thought about me. I was insecure. But the older I've got, the more I just, I do feel like a warrior. And I, I went to Scotland once and I threw my arms up and I just shouted out, I'm a warrior, I'm a warrior, I'm back. I told you I'd be back. And, and since then, I almost feel invincible. So I think to find your inner warrior as a woman, particularly as you get older, when you've lost yourself, maybe with the menopause and at work and your children leaving home is very important to some. And if they find that through running or cycling or cold water dipping, it really is invigorating. It really is life affirming for a lot of people. Was it life affirming for you? Absolutely. And the more I have come to rely on it and the more I have talked about it with other women and men, um, because I think men too need to find their inner warrior. And I know we've had this discussion um, and I feel really strongly about it. And I think maybe it's from having a son who I, I think I feel now he is beginning to find his inner warrior. And I'm really proud of him. He actually took himself off swimming the other day, which... I just think he's extraordinary that he is coming round to the idea that he can A, go and do something on his own and B, go in and swim because he was scared of the water. But yeah, if you can find your inner warrior, I do believe you can do anything. I, I agree with you. It's it is important to to stress that that men go through very similar things to to what women go through in their midlife and and finding themselves and repurposing themselves. And um, but the thing for me with this podcast in particular, Retirement Rebel Life After Sixty, is that I just wanted to give a platform for women to be able to talk because a lot of women they lose themselves, they become fearful, they self limit themselves, and I think the more they hear 
just us chatting and telling our inspirational stories and where we've gone from broken to mended, the more hopefully at home when they're listening or on their walks or wherever they are, but listening, they can decide that, do you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to explore that avenue and it might bring them to life. And that's what I'm trying to do. I hope there's a man out there that's doing exactly the same thing for men. So when your book came out, um, Cold Fix, was it received very well? And do you think you've been seen as an inspiration to a lot of older women? Yes, it was received so well that it sold out within the first four months, which was great and had to be reprinted. (laughs) So that was really wonderful. And I've had so many messages from people saying, you've changed my life. And I, like you, I was broken, but now I feel mended and I've used the cold water to um, make me feel that if I can go into that cold water, then I can do anything. A lot of people have written to me and said how it's affected them. And I still get those messages today. It's still selling. I still can talk about it with people. I still, whenever I meet people who say, well, I've always wanted to try it, but I'm not sure. I say, well, look, it's really not as bad as you might think. And I'm very happy to go with you. Oh, but I can't swim. You don't need to swim. You can just walk in and stand there. You can just put your hands in. It's it's the getting yourself out. It's the trying something new. It's facing fears. It's far more than going for a swim. I totally, totally agree with every single word you said. And yet there you highlighted the thing that I think is a problem, that they... It's almost like we find excuses for not doing things. And and for me, I had to strip my life down bare, get rid of my home, my possessions and buy the motorhome, almost as if to say, right, you've got to do this now. You've got no excuses to stop you doing it. So to have somebody like you to help these women and to encourage these women and, and to support them doing it is is very important. Were you shocked at how many women contacted you and were in a bad place in their lives? Because I certainly was. When my book, Retirement Rebel, came out, I could not believe the number of women who don't talk about it, who feel maybe bullied and marginalised in work, who have lost themselves and who want to have adventure, but they really don't know how to go about doing it. They want to live a positive life but they're lost I think I was quite shocked yes I think but I think I've always been shocked that women do feel that they can't do things um, and maybe that comes back to being a single parent for so long that you have to do these things and I I do feel that women are in a position very often where everybody's telling them they can't do things mm. and giving them a, a box that they need to sit in and if you go out of that you're I don't know you're some kind of weirdo or you know it's like saying as soon as you get to 40 you have to have short hair you know I I, it's one of those old things isn't it where you shouldn't it's that word shouldn't and you shouldn't have long hair who made them the fashion police I mean, we can do what we want. We can wear what we want. We can do it as long as we're living positively and we're feeling happy about what we're doing. What harm are we doing? I, I, and your hair looks really lovely on you, long. Well, I, I like it. And when I was taking a lot of um, photographs, GoPro photos, I really loved the way it wafted about in the water. I know that sounds sort of arty-farty, but I'm allowing myself to be arty-farty. I'm allowing myself now 
that I don't have the same responsibilities as I had to be as creative as I want to be. And I have always known that that's how I want, that's how who I am. I've not been able or allowed myself to express it. And I feel so excited now that it's all coming out. And I have to say that if I hadn't had that operation, I'm not sure anything, none of this would have happened. I just have a feeling that I managed to turn that negative situation right on its head and it became a positive. It was my stop card and then it was my go card. Do you find, I I think a lot of people have that moment in life where it's a defining moment where they've out of adversity comes opportunity. Because for me, it's been like that for you, for other people. I've spoken to the lovely Jo Mosley for this podcast and she one day found herself crying in the middle of a supermarket because she was so lost in life. And now she's an incredible paddleboarder and author of one, nearly two books, Paddleboarding Around Great Britain. So I think a lot of women, it is that, that you go through hard times and then you think, I'm going to use that as fire in my belly. Absolutely. And I, I used that idea in my second book, which is my first novel, which was published at the end of last year. What's that called? The Winter of Our Lives. And it's classed as a romance, but I would say it's more of a love story to yourself. And it's about falling back in love with yourself and with life when you get to that stop card, when you get to that point where you think, what do I do now? So the three main female characters and one male character, they're all of a, of the sort of age 45 plus. So they're going through hormonal changes. They're going through life changes, big life changes. And they all have this common thread. The vehicle I've used is three menopausal wild swimmers need to find a man, but not <laughs> just any old man, but one who's prepared to dip his bits in cold water because they're entering a mixed relay team for the Scottish Winter Swimming Championships. Um, I do go on about swimming quite a lot, but it is absolutely a passion. It's my cold fix. <laughs> they So they have to go on this search for a man um, and they decide to start an Instagram page called Arctic Flappers and then they think, hmm, that might attract the wrong sort of people. And then um, they decide that one of them has to go on a dating site and try and she's, you know, needs to find a man. And she's just thinking, how on earth do I find somebody? And what do I say? You know, you've got to be able to go swimming in cold water. That's not exactly a good chat up line. Um, and then somebody recommends they go off to the Outer Hebrides to meet this guy who says he'll be one. Don't tell us the whole story. <laughs> Except, you know, and so they go on their travels, but that's just a vehicle for the changes they're going through, the stresses that they experience and how they overcome them. And yes, it has got love in it. It's also been described as, um, what's the word? Steamy. That's it. Oh, Lordy, Somebody Lordy. described it as rather <laughs> steamy. And I thought to myself, well, yes, it is. And what's wrong with that? Just because you get older, why can't you be steamy? Why can't you allow yourself to um, express your physicality as well? That's the panther in me coming out, of course. You know, the physical side, it doesn't go away. No, I think it really is important as well. There is this assumption when, you, when you're old, it just fades into the background for a lot of women. And it certainly doesn't, does it? No, 
Not at all. Um, but it's something we don't talk about. It's not talked about at all. And But some of the men- symptoms of the menopause don't exactly help, do they? They don't make you feel wonderful. What, sexy? Physically or emotionally. Yeah, sexy. They don't. You know, we're talking about dryness. Um, vaginas. <laughs> there's a word for it, yes. We can say Dry the words. Vaginas. It's all about... <laughs> we can say the words. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're not... You don't want sex, penetrative sex, if it's going to irritate you, do you? You might have rashes all over you. You might be hot and sweaty in the wrong way. And actually, funnily enough, I wanted to call a book when I first started writing it. I wanted to call it Wet and Wild, but not in a good way. But um, that wasn't um, acceptable to the publishers. <laughs> but, but I think one thing we can agree is that as you get older, you a lot of people, some may lose the passion, but you still want to be passionate in, in later life. Um, and that's important. What do you think you've actually learned, though, from, from writing books like that and The Cold Dip and meeting the people you've met along the way in your 60s about yourself and about how society treats people in their 60s, particularly women? I've learned that you don't have to listen to society. I've learned that you need a close circle of friends of other women who feel the same as you. I've learned that this, you, we're not going to get asked back. This is it. This is our one life. And that isn't just a cliche. That's reality. I've learned that you do get overlooked because you're older. I've mm learned that social media can it has a double double face it can be very cruel to older women but it can also I think there's a lot more women out there being actively active on social media and that's amazing that's wonderful to see there's a big tribe of women out there, I think, that are women supporting women. I know we must support men along the way, but for me, it is vital that women support women and give women the breaks because we understand we've got the empathy that life hasn't always dealt us the, the, the best cards and that we've got to forge our own path. And that's what I've done. I've forged my own path to happiness. And a lot of my friends thought I'd gone bonkers when I said, I'm just hitting the road. Where are you going? What are you going to do? Well, I don't know. and I'm not sure, but I, I'm going to find my happy place. Um, and I have done. And I think people like you and me, we're showing that there is an alternative way of ageing, a positive way of ageing, and you don't have to listen to to what people say is expected of us as we're in our 60s, 70s, 80s. And, and doing this podcast, I really want to hear from as many women in their 60s, 70s and 80s to show how vibrant we are, how alive we are, what adventures we're having. Do you think that that you could give advice to people in the 60s from what you've learnt in your life um, to, to get them to really embrace ageing in a positive way? I would like to feel that I could give advice, but it would only be like my own personal experience. And I think I would have to add that if you've got some physical limitations, then you need to get them sorted out and don't just shy away from them. And I speak from personal experience very much. I know that I need full knee replacements now. And I know that I did think, well, I'll put it off. I'll keep putting it off. I can't bear the sort of operations again. But this is the time that I want to be at my most physically active. 
So I have actually taken the first step to starting to go down the road of having total knee replacements. And yes, it might limit me, but it will give me more active years, mm. you know, in my earlier 60s, rather than putting it off until I can hardly walk at all and then having to do it and then being that much older to get over the operation. So I think that's number one is to sort out any physical issues you've got get yourself in the best possible place physically so join a gym they're so accommodating now for older women you can find a female personal trainer or like me I found a, a male personal trainer who I said right you've got to understand where I'm coming from I've got these physical issues with my knees and so on and he worked around that for me and set me on the road of going and getting stronger um, so physically, also, I would say acquire as many male friends as you can because they can do things that you can't do. They can lift heavier things. They often have Ooh, a garage full. That is controversial. That is controversial. No, they can. <laughs> they can. They know better how to lift because they've been told how to lift from a younger age. Um, and we've always been told we can't lift. Don't I you? know. I don't agree with that. So I, I think a lot of women do self limit because they, they think we can't do it. But there's women weightlifters mm. who, who can lift weights far oh, heavier than men. Yes. If you learn the right techniques and you stand and you keep your back straight and you bend your knees, um, there's lots of things that I used to think to myself oh, I wish there was a man here to do it, you know, just electric things, all sorts of things. And I just, now I'm in the motorhome on my own that the shower gets blocked or the, the gas heater doesn't work or something. Yeah. I do, I sit down, I have a bit of a cry and then I think, right, come on, Siobhan, there's just you, put your big girl pants on and sort it out. I don't need a man to sort it out. I just might need a another person regardless of what sex they are, but I don't necessarily agree, you know, find a lot of, of women friends who can help you. We do agree to disagree. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I'll be more specific. I have found that a lot of my women friends don't have the experience in doing some of the things that I've needed help with or the knowledge. So what I mean by find more male friends is I have found personally that they're the ones who have got the knowledge and the experience because traditionally they've been the ones to have done it. So if you can absorb that knowledge, get them to show you how to do something, then you can do it yourself. So that's what I mean. Okay, okay. Is well, use other people's knowledge. But in my experience recently with downsizing and moving into a smaller house, the knowledge I have got in order to help me do things has come from men. Where are you now physically in your life and, and, and what next for you? What next for me? Um, at some point, have these knee replacements in the next year, 18 months. But otherwise, physically, I'm in a pretty good place. So I'm able to do the things I want to do, go exploring off up the mountainside, looking for waterfalls and so on, yes. Have you aged the way that you envisaged you would age? I didn't really have a plan. I didn't really know how I'd age. I don't think any of us can. When you were younger and you thought of people being in their 60s and 70s and 80s, what, what 
did that conjure up in your mind of, of being old? I thought I would have a different family life, a different sort of living situation, I guess. But you never know what life is going to throw at you, do you? And the decisions you make when you're younger and you make when you're, you know, in your middle years, they can affect how your later years are going to pan out. But you don't know that at the time. And that's why it is vital, isn't it, to just really grab life and go with it because none of us know what's around the corner. No, exactly. And I think now you can't regret any decisions. You can try not to make the same poor decisions again. Um, But just say, sod it, I've just got to keep living and doing what I'm doing and, you know, being as active and as positive as I can be. Now, I'm an unapologetic retirement rebel. That's what I'm all about. And that's why I've called this podcast Retirement Rebel Life After 60. So I ask all my guests before they go, when was the last time that you felt like a rebel? Mm, I think I always feel like a rebel. This morning... I knew I had to get back home because I'm staying in a different house at the moment because my kitchen's being done. I knew I had to get back home very early and a time window because the plasterer was coming to finish the plastering and I wanted to get in my bathtub in the back garden. And I had warned him yesterday, if you come before 7.30 in the morning, I will be in there naked. (laughs) And they ran away. So... (laughs) I I sneaked in this morning, flung all my clothes off, ran out to the back door, got in my bathtub, waved at the moon because it was still there, and I just thought, and I did have a quiet giggle with myself because I thought, yeah, he's not going to go up early. (laughs) I'm scared him (laughs) off. (laughs) So, yeah, I guess I did have a moment of, you are quite a rebel still, keep doing it. Oh, I hope you keep doing it forever. I really do. What an amazing way to start the day. (laughs) (laughs) It's cold. (laughs) Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming and talking to me. I've I've really loved talking to you and and hearing your quite emotional journey at times. Um, But I'm so glad now that you're in a good place and you've got your books out. If anybody wants to read your books, um, just remind us of the names of each one and where they can find them. And and also, where can they find you on social media? Okay, the non-fiction is The Cold Fix, published by Vertebrate Books. You can order it from them or from Amazon. The fiction is The Winter of Our Lives. It's published by One More Chapter, who are part of HarperCollins, and that you can get uh, on Amazon as well. And my Instagram handle is Bumble Barnes, and I'm Sarah Barnes on Facebook. So you can find me there, Sarah Barnes Author. Sarah Barnes, author, cold water dipper and all-round good egg and inspiration to a lot of us women in our 60s and heading for our 70s. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you for having me. Hopefully you enjoyed the conversation with Sarah Barnes as much as I did. What I took away from our time talking together was that Sarah relishes her outdoor life in her 60s and the benefits that cold water gives her. She gains the strength and energy to live a more fulfilling life. And she's a fighter who managed to turn a negative major surgery on her legs into something life-enhancing. I love her outlook on life, not self-limiting herself, 
but asking herself, what's the worst that can happen? And then going on and doing it anyway. I mean, so many of us are guilty of self-limiting and worrying that we can or cannot do something. I feel that people listening to our chat will now hopefully push themselves that little bit further to achieve their goals and age in a more positive way. I know exactly what Sarah means about having found her inner warrior. I too feel that I've discovered my inner warrior to challenge ageism and be a pro-age campaigner on my motorhome journey in my 60s. And it's something that I want this podcast to enable more women to do. Hopefully they too will feel a bit stronger to do things that they'd previously feared embarking on. Sarah's also, with the help of her book Cold Fix, found her tribe, people who use cold water therapy to go on a journey and rediscover things about themselves. And I feel that we've all got a tribe out there for us. Next week, I'll be speaking to Helen Garlick, an author in her 60s, who's all about the power of talking and connection. Her award-winning book, No Place to Lie, about the death of her sibling, has reaffirmed to her that age is a privilege. Thank you so much for joining me on today's Retirement Rebel Life After 60. I'm truly grateful for your time and your willingness to embark on this journey with me. If today's conversation sparked something within you, or if you've your own Rebel story to share, I'd love to hear from you. Please reach out through our social media channels or email, and let's keep the conversation going. Email us on podcast at retirementrebel.co.uk. And remember, if you found value in our time together today, consider sharing this episode with a friend who might also enjoy and benefit from our Retirement Rebel community. Spreading the word helps us grow and continue to challenge the narrative around life after 60. All of our details can be found on retirementrebel.co.uk. Retirement Rebel Life After 60 is written and hosted by me, Siobhan Daniels, and produced by the incredibly talented Matt Cheney. Join me again next week for another episode. Until then, keep embracing your inner rebel and living life to the fullest. Bye for now. Bye for now.